Hey, uh, thanks for listening to the Nick and Big J podcast. We appreciate it. And you know what? It's brought to you by The Advocates. If you've been in an accident, well, call The Advocates. 208-471-4444. Well, welcome, everybody. It is the morning after with Nick and Big J. Here we are on Thursday, the 10th day of February 2022. My name is Nick. Hey, look, there's Big J. Yeah. We are here and ready to go for you on this particular day. Uh, we will be joined at some point on this show in the 7 o'clock hour by one Wolfgang Van Halen. Big J, you ever heard of him? Yeah, I have. Beautiful. He will be in town on the 22nd of this month, and he is going to join us on the show this morning. We're going to chat it up with him a little bit, get you excited for that big show. We'll have some tickets to give away for that very, very soon, so you're going to want to hang on because he's coming to town with Dirty Honey at the Rev Center. Should be a very nice show. We'll also have your chance at some Dead Sarah tickets today. Another shot at the Valentine's Day prize package, courtesy of the Idaho Lottery. We have some Shinedown tickets in there with the dating game coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Big J has a nerd alert for you. I would say that's a pretty busy Thursday. Yeah. Speaking of nerd alert, I uh, I was able to complete my mission yesterday. I binged all of the Book of Boba Fett. Did oh, you I, watch I, the I finale? I haven't watched the finale yet. Uh, I can't even talk to you about it. All right. Well, we can talk up to then. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to ruin anything for anybody that hasn't seen it. I realize the finale is now not even a day old, so I suppose it's probably uncouth to talk about. What's the, what's the spoilers buffer, in your opinion? How long do I give somebody to watch it? Probably three weeks. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, tune in three weeks from now. We'll talk about the Book of Boba Fett. I didn't mean it for other people. I meant just between us. <laughs> oh, okay. Everybody else Listen, is out of our if circle. If you want that, you need to join our Patreon. <laughs> Have you fired that up? No. Damn it. I don't think they'd let us. Uh, I 100% know they would not let us. But uh, we do have an opportunity for you to at least get a little bit more nerdy talk coming up throughout the show today. That should be good. We should start with some music. Temple of the Dog is going to kick things off for us this morning. It's Hunger Strike here on The Morning After with Nick and Big J on the X-Rocks. Nick and Big J. Big J, what's going on? Well, I don't know. Lots. feels like we can't go a month without somebody spray painting anti-Semitic uh, you know, graffiti downtown for some reason. And I don't like it, and it's happening again. It happened again yesterday morning, police said. The Boise Police Department put out a tweet that talked about how they were made aware that there was some graffiti at a city park on South Walnut Street around 10 o'clock in the morning yesterday, so they began investigations. They've been in communication with leaders in the Jewish community trying to figure out if there has been other, you know, attacks. Because, you know, everyone's, it's always like at the Anne Frank Museum. Something stupid happens, mm-hmm. and now that's spreading out to other city parks around the city, and it's just like, ugh, God. So, once again, we are looking for the culprits. The Boise Police Department is asking if anybody has any information about what's going on with that to come forward so they can help bring these people to justice and figure out what the hell's going on, because it's happening far too often, and it's weird, and it's ugly, and it's gross, and it's wrong, and it's not okay. So they're looking for it. And I don't like it. So keep an eye out. See something, say something about stuff like that. None of that stuff is okay. MLB and the lockdown players are going to re- resume negotiations coming up on Saturday after an 11-day break. I highly doubt that will be the end of the lockout, but you never know. Session will come after three days of owners' meetings and end today. And then they had three days of players' association meetings as well. So now we've already got a federal mediator that has been asked to be involved. At this point, almost no chance spring training is going to start on time. 
That was supposed to happen on the 16th. We're less than a week away from that. So I wouldn't hold my breath about spring training starting on time. But maybe this could be the beginning, the foundation of something down the road. This Sunday, Super Bowl between the Rams and the Bengals could be the hottest Super Bowl ever, Big J, at least in terms of temperature. The game is being played in Inglewood, California, and they're going through a heat wave right now. It's supposed to be in the mid to high 80s at kickoff on Sunday. And anything above 84 degrees would beat the previous record. A heat advisory, as a matter of fact, is even in effect for that area until Sunday evening. So weird in February to be playing in a heat wave, but that's what happens. And probably better that than the other way around, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to play in the coldest Super Bowl in history. (laughs) Although I'd like to watch it. I don't think a lot of people would like to be into it. I feel kind of sad about this kind of stuff. Uh, You know, usually this thing is private, but because everything is public these days and something terrible happens, you have to release something just to prove people wrong. Because, you know, we talked about the passing of Bob Saget not too long ago. And, of course, when something like that happens, somebody that passes away that has been living sober for a while, everybody automatically assumes falling off the wagon and he'd done bad things. Well, they had to release the coroner's report yesterday to prove that Bob Saget wasn't involved in anything nefarious. As a matter of fact, it was kind of a surprising result. Head trauma is what they say is what killed Bob Saget. Apparently, what happened was he had accidentally bumped his head on something and didn't think anything of it or it hurt but it didn't hurt enough for him to worry about it went to bed had a brain bleed and just never woke up and that's what happened no drugs no alcohol involved in his system at all he just thought nothing of a head bump and went to sleep and ended up having a brain brain bleed and that's all it takes so it was january 9th that he passed away he was 65 years old sad story uh, that sucks. Yeah, because, I mean, it could have been prevented. Sure, sure. That's, but you How know, bad did he hit his head? I mean, who what? knows? I mean, that's the thing that's... Yeah. Ugh. But the other part of it is it's not like we can never hear his side of the story. I mean, it, they, they said it didn't look mm-hmm. like he fell down or anything like that and went to bed. It looked like it was the back of his head that he had bumped on something, and that was it. Like, who knows? He could have bumped his head getting out of an Uber or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, who knows what it is? I mean, he's not around to answer questions, unfortunately, but that is the cause of death. In the uh, the Bob Saga case, it was released yesterday. Morning after with Nick and Big J. There's your important stuff. Red Hot Chili Peppers under the bridge here on the morning after with Nick and Big J. And Big J, you're aware I spent uh, most of my adult life in the and around the state of Arizona. Yes. Yeah, of course, man. And as somebody that lived there for uh, a good amount of years, I-, I-, I couldn't in clear conscience tell you any reason to go to Tucson, Arizona, because it's just, I mean, there's nothing there, man. Nothing. Nothing worth going to check out in Tucson, Arizona. Damn. Uh, but what if I told you maybe there is now? Courtesy of a couple of humanity professors at the University of Arizona, they put together what is possibly the world's largest archive devoted to video games and video game culture. Now, the university has been one of the few that really early on embraced the world of video games. In fact, they still have three different video game-related majors. And they support students in the video gaming field, so the professors, Ken McAllister, Joe Ruggle, ended up creating what's called the Learning Games Initiative Research Archive. Now, basically what happens there is there's more than a quarter of a million of items. At least 15,000 individual video games, 
200 different and unique game systems kind of chronicling the entire history of video games and thousands of documents, books, players guides, promotional materials, other artifacts, some of which are worth a serious amount of money. And the best thing about it, you're allowed to play everything that's in the museum. Oh. You're allowed to play these really hard to find games. You're allowed to mess around with these really hard to find systems. Of course, each one is something that they watch you play to make sure you're not damaging it or doing it the right way, or they may even, in some cases, turn the system on for you and just give you the controller, a particular controller, not one that was particularly used for that system. You know, just a way to interact with the system. Yeah. And so it's a really cool way for those, I would think it's like perfect for guys our age. We grew up in like the golden era of video games. We saw the transition from arcades being the only place that you can play video games to the home entertainment system to computer gaming to now we both have next-gen gaming systems. So I imagine this would be like a walk-through memory lane for somebody in their mid-40s or even late-40s or early-40s or late-30s. I mean, it's just perfect for you to check it all out. I don't know how big it is. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that wasn't divulged. They didn't give you like a video tour or anything like that. So, uh, but I would think it would have to have a little bit of space. But I've also, again, having seen the University of Tucson and the campus, I'm not sure where they could put this thing. Well, they could have the space. It's in uh, an outdated building. Okay. And so uh, <laughs> they would like to move it, but they also have a lot of it, the stuff up in storage. Uh, and there's several storage facilities throughout the country, by the way. So it's not just gotcha. right there in Arizona. It's one of those deals where they have some of it set up, but not nearly as much as they want yeah. to, and they're looking for a permanent home for it. Well, and, listen, and they'd like to turn it into a museum as yeah, well. I so feel like be, it's there's a market for it. I mean, right? if they do it the right way and they get the hell out of Tucson, there might be a way for people to, to do that. Get out of Tucson. It might be a way for uh, I mean, I might actually be very interested in checking out the video game museum, and quite frankly, I am shocked that we don't have one already. Yeah. But, you know, some of this stuff is really hard to get. That's probably why. You know, there's certainly some particular places and collections and people that have stuff that's all Nintendo-based or right. all whatever. But it, it, yeah, they got Pong sitting out there. Right. But it's not like a hands-on, dedicated space for video games. And it might be pretty cool to walk through there and see all those video games that you forgot you played as a kid. But there they are, right in front of your eyes for you to interact with again. It might be pretty cool. So maybe something to do on the to-do list when they actually get their bleep together and put something together that you can tour and walk through. But I like the idea at the very least. Morning After with Nick and Big J. We're not done talking about video games and nerdy stuff. Your Nerd Alert is next on the x Rock. The best in tech and gaming. Big J's Nerd Alert on 100.3 The X Rocks. Ubisoft has reportedly turned an Assassin's Creed Valhalla expansion featuring Basim into its own standalone game that is expected to release either this year or in 2023, Nick. Uh, Bloomberg reports that people familiar with the project, codenamed Rift, said it won't have a massive open world, but will instead focus on a stealth gameplay and it's overall smaller in scope than previous Assassin's Creed games. Will you get it as part of their, if you have the season pass, or do you have to buy it separately? It's a separate game. Uh, They've taken the DLC they made and making it a separate game. Jerks. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, 
they're also uh, thrown into their soft release schedule. Assassin's Creed Infinity, an upcoming evolution of the franchise. It's rumored to be a Fortnite-style evolving platform game. So that doesn't sound cool to me. <laughs> no. Say, say, say lo- so long to you, Assassin's Creed. I mean, Valhalla was so good. What are they doing changing up the formula? That's crazy. Yeah, who knows? Uh, and in other news, EA's trouble with Battlefield 2042 continues, and it's bad. Really bad. The game has had a number of issues, and many of the uh, folks have decided they want their money back. A petition at Change.org has been stated uh, started. Here is uh, what the petition says. EA's release of Battlefield Field 2042 was a mockery of every customer who purchased a video game for $70 due to EA's false advertising. The petition read Battlefield 2042 has cost customers millions of dollars in damages and upset thousands of customers worldwide. The petition called the game unplayable and stated that the gaming community should not tolerate this abuse and bullying from multi-billion dollar corporations who make unfinished games and false advertisements. The petition has nearly uh, met its $75,000 or $75,000 person goal what false advertising are they talking about uh of the game being finished is one of them <laughs> is uh, it bad me- yeah it's a mess yeah. uh and and uh the the a number of players playing right now is j- dismal dismal they've got a real problem on their hand and uh they have about sixty-two thousand people who signed this petition so that's a lot of people who are upset uh in the gaming world Uh, Nintendo Switch Sports is an upcoming title for the Switch that features activities like badminton, volleyball, tennis, soccer, and, uh, of course, bowling. It's a direct sequel uh, to The Descendant of Wii Sports. Nick, you remember Wii Sports? Of course I remember Wii Sports. Featuring very similar aesthetics, music, and, yes, customizable uh, stuff. This time around, players will use the Joy-Con controllers for the motion aspect of the game and will even include a leg strap for kicking action. Yeah, they had that for a while. I mean, when you had the Wii, you had the leg strap. So this is like a callback yep, to the Wii days. they're trying to bring that back. And as for the initial release date, you can pick that game up April 29th, so not far away, making it a great gift for Mother's or Father's Day in the U.S. So they can all get together with the family again, just like the old days. <laughs> and Call of Duty fans who've been worried about Microsoft's Pending $68.7 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard means for the future of what franchise uh, on the PlayStation can breathe easy. All those folks can take it easy because uh, the folks there at Xbox said, listen, we said it before, we'll say it again. Uh, We're not going to mess with this game. Uh, Microsoft, quote, will continue to make Call of Duty and other popular Activision Blizzard titles available on PlayStation through the term of any, any existing agreement with Activision. So basically, Microsoft President Brad Smith wrote, in a blog post that we are committed to Sony that we uh, will also make them available on PlayStation beyond the existing agreements and into the future so that Sony fans can continue to enjoy the games they love. We also uh, are interested in taking similar steps to support Nintendo's successful platform. We believe this is the right thing for the industry, for gamers, and for our business. Well, just like we had said when the initial thing took over, it would, they're, they're leaving billions of dollars on the table if they don't do that. Yeah, yeah, so uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, Take it's... It the money always talks, guys, and while exclusivity is nice in certain scenarios, uh, when something is too big to fail, it's best to just cash in, and you have to get a return on your investment as soon as possible, because yeah. they paid a lot of money for this particular company. Yeah. So. Now, after these, uh, the, the the next couple of uh, games that come out, because they are contracted to where they have an exclusive, Sony has an exclusive deal with Activision, where you know the DLCs and a lot of stuff, they get that stuff before everybody else you can that's gonna end oh i'm sure um and i don't know if we'll go back to the exclusive thing or not but for for that sort of stuff 
We'll see how that turns. There's your Nerd Alert, courtesy of Big J. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to go to hell, plus important stuff. Here with Nick and Big J. Lots of things dividing us these days, not just in our country, but around the world, Big J. But there is one thing, one thing that can bring us together. Oh, yeah? It's the power of music. Music. University of Cambridge researchers found that across the world, no matter what language you speak, people have the same positive correlations between their favorite type of music that they like to listen to. And so sometimes it is a song that can bring people together because songs that are popular, specifically ones here in the United States, can have a serious popularity streak around the world despite the language barriers that other places have. According to the study leader, they say that they were surprised to learn how much the patterns between music and personality replicated across the globe. People that may be divided by geography, language, culture, political beliefs, but if you're in one part of the world and you like a song and you're in another part of the world and you like that same song, you guys can get along, man. It's a no. very powerful bridge that you can build to a common line of thought. Find some sort of common ground. Sometimes that's the most difficult thing to find with people that you have differences with. Like, you think you are totally opposite. Bam. Next wow. thing you know, Big J and her Sandman comes on and you're both going... Dude, yeah, you're right. Let's be best friends. Future research could use more testing to establish a more nuanced understanding of the biological and cultural factors that contribute to our musical preferences and responses, but no, it's a pretty nice thing when you have that particular thing in common. And you know that better than anybody, Big J. Mm-hmm. You've enjoyed music in lots of different places, right? Yeah, even Central America. That's right. What kind of music were you listening to down there? Uh, Caribbean steel drum, man. You didn't put anything on like your phone to remind you at home? You didn't stream some rock? I didn't. Well then, did you make new friends there? I'll tell you what, here's the weirdest thing. Like all of the music, and we noticed this throughout uh, San Pedro, when you would go in, it would be play, they would be playing like this weird channel that was 80s covers, but they were really bizarre and not that great. Like it was all like Amber by 311? No, 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 80s music, Nick. Oh, no, I didn't mean Amber, I meant uh, Love Song by 311. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, no 311 there in the 80s music again. Uh, but well, it no, was, but Love Song's an 80s song is my point. Oh, okay. Uh, it was just weird, and, the, and the, it was like... They weren't very good. Like I don't know who the artists were, but they weren't well known, and it was the weird. Were they situation. done in like a Caribbean style? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. It was just eighties yeah, covers. Yeah, it was that like the terrible eighties cover channel everywhere. And it was all in the same place was playing all this stuff, or the different, different places? places. Yeah, that's weird. Yep. Maybe it's a contract thing. Big J, are you excited for Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Star Wars series? Absolutely. Disney CEO Bob Chappelle announced during the company's earnings call yesterday that the next Star Wars series will be Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it will premiere on May the 25th. May the 25th be with you, Big J. I feel like they missed an opportunity there. (laughs) Why not make it earlier in the month? It's a good question. I don't know. We do know that Ewan McGregor's there. We do know that Hayden Christensen is there. And so we have a lot of stuff that we have to figure out between now and then. But just know, at the tail end of May is when we're going to see some Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. The Morning After with Nick and Big J on 100.3 The X Rocks. Madison, Wisconsin is where we go for today's We're Going to Hell story. And it's a reminder that I feel like everybody needs from time to time. 
Life, Big J, is not an action movie. You may want it to be. You may think that it would be a lot cooler if it was. But a reminder that if you go out and do things that you see in an action movie, odds are you will end up in jail no matter how right you may think you are in your mind. Specifically, I'm talking about Vengeance, Big J. Vengeance. Yes. While it's neat on paper and makes for great stories, usually if you actually go through with it, it doesn't work out in your favor or anybody's favor, really. Oh, really? And that's the story of today's We're Going to Hell story. As a gentleman in Madison noticed his ring camera go off at 10.30 at night. Never a good sign, right? No. So he looks at the camera as he's in bed and notices that there are two people that have broken into his garage and stolen his snowblower. Now, those things are not very cheap. Sons of bitches. And they are very expensive in Wisconsin. And so he was also a victim of burglary about a week back. And he's like, listen, man, I'm tired of getting my bleep stolen out of my garage. And so the man decided he was going to track them down with his truck. And that's what he did. He saw the vehicle they drove off in. He got himself dressed, got out of his truck, and started following them, basically, to see where they would go. Once he discerned where they were going to go, he decided it was time to take the law into his own hands, Big J. Yeah. And he decided that he was going to, at a fast rate of speed, T-bone the truck that had stolen his uh, snowblower in the middle of the street and put an end to the crime spree right here and right now. I like it. So he did, Big J. He T-boned the vehicle. Here's where things got bad for him. Because uh, not only did he injure both the people in the other vehicle, but he also injured himself pretty badly as well in the process. And oh, by the way, uh, ended up catapulting the snowblower out of the truck and into the street and basically rendering it unusable. Uh, but See, you, gotta, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs. A friendly okay. reminder that all of this stuff is illegal. And now once the police showed up on the scene, you can't just, you know, on purpose T-bone somebody else in the street, regardless if you're stopping a burglary or not. He ended up being charged with uh, second degree reckless endangering safety for driving poorly. Also a couple of assault charges and using a vehicle as a deadly weapon as well because he had done so seriously. And so now... While the other two people were arrested after they got out of the hospital with burglary charges, it is the gentleman who chased them down that is facing way more jail time than the people that stole a snowblower out of his garage. And so now he says that he regrets ever getting in that vehicle. He just wishes he just would have called police. And police are like, yeah, uh, we are sure you do wish that at this point. But now he's looking at anywhere from 15 to 25 years in prison because he decided to kind of take the law into his own hands. So it is not recommended in case you're curious. Again, uh, cool in the movies usually doesn't work out for anybody in real life, and that's the situation that we find ourselves in here. We know you're pissed. We know it sucks. We know you're upset. But sometimes you have to go through the motions because the alternatives just mean it's worse for you than the other people. Or not make your revenge a huge public display, you idiot. Well, you In know, the middle of a damn street? It's pretty clear he wasn't thinking out what he was going to do when he caught him and just decided at the moment to like stop them from getting away or something and then took things a little bit too far. But either way, you chasing down the people on your own is probably where things went bad. If you're not if you don't have the phone in your hand and you're calling the police while you're doing this so you're keeping an eye on them, that's where the mistake was made. Nothing wrong with playing detective and trying to find out where your stuff goes. But when you decide, I'm going to hurt the people (laughs) 
with my vehicle that stole my snowblower. And he's out of snowblower on top of all of it. So it was a... Least of his problems now. Yes, definitely the least of his problems. Morning after with Nick and Big J. There's your We're Going to Hell story. Coming up next, Wolfgang Van Halen joins us in advance of his show on the 22nd at the Rev Center. That's next on the X-Rock. Epiphany is the name of that song. That is from Wolfgang Van Halen Mammoth as well. And guess what? It's an honor and privilege to welcome onto the show the return of the lead singer of that band, Hell the Man, that did everything on that particular song when they were in the studio. His name is Wolfgang Van Halen. He joins us this morning. Good morning, Wolfgang. How you doing, man? How's it going, man? Pleasure to be here. Hey, man. Uh, thank you for spending some time. We are excited to know that you are coming to town here in just a couple of days. The 22nd, you'll be at the Rev Center, which we are stoked for. Uh, I know this tour kicks up here in just a couple of weeks. What are you doing in the downtime in the meantime to get ready? Uh, just getting ready for it. You know, Looking forward to rehearsal uh, in about a week. Um, and just, you know, it always requires that sort of mental shift into tour mode. So just uh, in the process of doing that. You know, Wolfgang, you, you did, of course, uh, all the instrumentation and everything uh, on the album. Uh, you know, how did you go about picking the players that you're going to take out with you to play live? Uh, they were all good friends and just uh, musicians that I admired and, and, and trusted. Um, that it just seemed like uh, the perfect fit. So far, so good, too. I mean, you had the uh, the opening run with GNR. That's not a bad way to kick things off. How was that for you? Oh, it was insane. Uh, definitely something you wouldn't... Uh, I, I never had expected uh, to be part of the very first run of the band. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a great time. Everybody uh, on the Guns crew were, were very supportive and very kind. It was a good time. You know, obviously, touring is not something that's new to you, but maybe in a different way. I mean, this is all your music that, that you put together. You know, how was that feeling going out the first time, starting to play some of these, these sets and the expectations that you might have, and, and then the fan feedback? What was that like for you? Oh, there's nothing like it. You know, at this point, I've been I've been touring for, you know, over a decade, but uh, it, it, it felt brand new being able to play my own music. Uh, just it's a really exciting thing to play something that uh, you created yourself and you're very proud of and to see it uh, resonate uh, with an audience is uh, definitely a uh, an experience all on its own. Rev Center here when you come to town, pretty big venue. It's bigger than what we have at the NID. It holds about 2,500 people. Uh, nothing compared to the arena shows that you started things off with, with GNR. Uh, do you set things up? Do you approach things different from a you know a show perspective when you know you have to play to a crowd that's in like a football stadium as opposed to a venue, or do you just attack every show the same? Oh, yeah, not at all. Uh, every show to me is the same. As long as there's, there's people there to, to enjoy it and have a good time, that's all I need. You know, um, It's just... Uh, yeah, no, I, I, there's, there's not many many differences in my opinion. First of all, congratulations on the Grammy nomination. That is totally awesome. Um, and, you know, first out, boom, you get nominated for a Grammy. Is there an intimidation factor sometimes when people meet you just based on your pedigree and, and, and how much experience you've already have, you know, touring in some of the biggest venues in the world? Uh, yeah, I, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a dude. <laughs> so it's not, uh, you know, I'm just a dude. I'm easy to talk to. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, Wolfgang, I just want to be your friend, dude. I just want to hang out with you, and then we can just roast people that talk a smack to you online and come up with jokes and bounce backs. It sounds like it'd be a blast. Yeah, it's a good time, man. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that is part of the whole mystique to to the thing around Mammoth WVH. You've done such a great job with that. And also, I love the fact that you're just not somebody that'll sit back and take it when, you know, people just jump online and try to, you know, get under your skin. It's just a perfect way to do that. But I do certainly appreciate it, the fact that uh, that you're not taking it lying down and you're bouncing back and you're fighting back a little bit. It's good. 
Yeah, you know, I, I pick my battles. There, there, there's some that make it very easy to just throw it right back at them because they're clearly just, uh, you know, it's it's all within. It's just more about them than it does it does about me in any way. But uh, overall, I just I really like to. Yeah, you know, I'm very clear in everything that I say uh, and everything I put out there, and I use the best of intentions. So when people try to misconstrue that and muddy my uh, my my own truth, I, I, I very much like to correct it. <laughs> in a funny way or in a serious way. <laughs> Either way, uh, we, we think it's awesome. And of course, yeah, I don't know how long uh, you had had a bunch of this music put together uh, for your uh, debut album here, but uh, we're in 2022 now. You're you're about to go out and, and, and do a bunch of touring here on this. But I mean, I got to believe that, uh, you know, you're not resting on that and you probably in the process or maybe even thinking about creating uh, even more uh, new music for uh, Mammoth Wolf Gang. Oh yeah, I'm very excited to find some time this year. Um, you know, I haven't been able to confirm that yet, but you know, we've got a lot of touring to go through. But I'm I'm very much wanting to carve out some time this year and get in the studio to record a second album. Wolfgang Van Halen joins us. He's going to be in town along with Dirty Honey at the Rev Center. That's coming up on the 22nd of this month. You can grab your tickets at xrock.com. You're a creative dude. I know you've probably written some music. It's pretty well documented that you did everything on this first album. As you look towards the future of Mammoth WVH, do you see yourself challenging yourself again and doing this solo, or do you want to ride or die with the guys that you're taking on the road with you? What do you think? Uh, for, uh, for the foreseeable future, um, the, the guys I'm touring with, they're going to be the live band. Um, I think uh, what makes this mammoth is the fact that it is all me. Uh, and that's just kind of what started the project. So I guess uh, it's a fun challenge for me to see what I can do. Uh, I'm excited to be able to um, take another stab at this because uh, the first time was such a new, fresh thing. You know, I wasn't even sure if I could, if I could sing uh, the lead vocals. Um, so... Uh, using everything I've learned before, I'm really excited to to attack it again. Well, I'll tell you what, man, yeah. you got two number one singles underneath your belt already. Epiphany's rocking its way up the chart. You got a Grammy nom. I think uh, I think you figured it out, man. You've uh, you've cracked the code. <laughs> so congratulations. I know you're going to do a hell of a job. Cannot wait to see you when you come into town here on the 22nd, man. We are geeked for it. Thank you for making sure Boise was one of the stops on the tour. We appreciate that as well. And and thank you for the time, man. It was very good to talk to you again. I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, you take care. <laughs> On the morning after with Nick and Big J. Go ahead, Big J. Have some coffee, man. Okay. Because they have completed their 10-year study where they had nearly half a million people that got in and out of the study. And they found out that those who regularly drink coffee were up to 12% less likely to die. Congratulations. Yay! I'm never going to die, it says. 20% less likely to develop cardiovascular disease or suffer a stroke. Researchers say that uh, they, uh, these benefits only came from consuming ground coffee, not the instant varieties, and that drinking more than three cups a day did not have the same positive effects. So you got to cut yourself off at three if you want that. No. Oh, what well, are you up to? I don't know. I haven't been too much. Been drinking too much lately. Three, three or four. All right. Any bad? Right on the line, buddy. Yeah. So good luck. Thanks, man. Now, granted, you know, 12%, not bad, right? Yeah. One in 10, thereabouts. Got a puncher's chance. Keep it up. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell uh, had his pre-Super Bowl news conference Wednesday and basically said that the league, quote, fell short with their minority head coaches this offseason. He said he'd invited outside experts to consult on possible actions and every option will be on the table, but he has not been happy with the amount of minority coaches that has been hired in the NFL thus far. 
and he wants to improve upon that. Saying all the right things, Big J, but who knows? There's no right answers here. It's uh, It just has to go down to ownerships and making sure people make decisions. Rest in peace to Jeremy Giambi, Big J, former outfielder and first baseman. Probably a part of one of Major League Baseball's most memorable plays. He was found dead at his parents' California home yesterday at the age of 47. Don't have a cause of death yet, but he played a bunch of years with the A's, a couple years with the Kansas City Royals. He even played with his brother Jason Giambi a couple of times. But he was the guy that was tagged out at home when the Yankees shortstop Derek Jeter made his flip toss during Game 3 of the DS. After he ran all the way over from the first baseline, the amazing Derek Jeter play that got everybody all involved. He was the one that was tagged out, although I still say he was safe. But Jeremy Giambi passing away at 47. Kind of sucks, though, right? Like, you're a Major League Baseball player for at least seven years, and the thing that you're most famous for is getting tagged out at home. It's never a good thing. Yeah, no. But better than his portrayal in the movie Moneyball, that's for sure. He did not come off looking good in that one. Bob Odenkirk is fairly popular, Big J. He's on a popular television show called Better Call Saul. He made a hit movie called Nobody in the Last Calendar Year, and he has got a book coming out, a memoir, if you will, about his successes in a couple of months. And he is now doing interviews about it, and he's being pretty candid about the near-fatal heart attack that he had on the set of Better Call Saul last year, and it was much more serious than they had it put all together. Basically, he knew he had some plaque buildup in his heart since 2018. He went to two different heart doctors that told him two different things, and so he kind of had the doctors disagree, so he decided to take a wait-and-see approach, which worked out fine until he was riding an exercise bike on set last July. Next thing you know, he collapsed. The safety supervisor was there. The assistant director was there. They had to administer CPR. They hooked him up to a defibrillator, too. And according to the actor, three times he had to get defibrillated in order to get brought back to life. So he was done. First two zaps didn't do it. The third zap got the rhythm back in his heart, thank goodness. Uh, And he also says that despite, you know, everybody telling him what happened, he has absolutely zero memory of the incident. Yeah, usually people don't. Yeah, he he says he, he remembers riding a bike and he remembers waking up in the hospital. That's all he remembers. And he says, so it's not, you know, nearly as fun as most near-death experiences you hear. It was just one of those things that it was crazy. But I didn't know they had to, you know, shock him three times to bring him back, which is crazy. Glad he's doing okay. He says he feels great, so that's good. Got some work done on that particular heart, and the plaque is gone. So all is well. He'll be around for a little while. Hey, man. Kicking a little bit of ass for nobody, too. People know how to use that defibrillator that's over here? I don't think so. And Lord well, knows they didn't I give us any training. Knows. <laughs> Listen, I, I hope no, we never have to use it. I think it. it's got to, well, if they're going to use it, it's going to be on me. So I want people to know how to use it. You may want to go through the instruction manual Wait, and sit that down won't help me. with a couple of people and tell them. Uh, because that's going to be the only way people know. Because, yeah, they put in a defibrillator over here, but they didn't tell anybody how to use it. So my guess is it's a weapon, right? <laughs> that we use? No, I think there's instructions okay. on it. Here's traffic. 911 operator can walk you through it. Good. We're going to need it. How about we take a look inside the TDS Fiber Traffic Center? It is brought to you by Paragon Men's Health. Here's CB. It's sluggish on eastbound I-84 from Meridian Road to exit 44. Pop culture smackdown. On the morning after with Nick and Big J. Yeah, man. We are just a few days away when you get down to it. To our free act show, first one in two years. Dead Sarah coming to town on the 21st. We've got Silent Theory opening up, Ghost Box, 
and crush the monster. We'll get you set up with these tickets if you can beat me. Pop Culture Smackdown, which eventually somebody always does. 208-287-1003 is the number that you need to call if you'd like to play Pop Culture Smackdown. Big J, are you prepared for class? I, no, I never am. That tracks. Hello, the X. You track. That person hung up on you, Big J. Maybe they don't always win. Hello, the X. Yes, sir. Good morning, man. What's your name? Marshall. All right, Marshall, you're up first. Today is National Umbrella Day. I bet you didn't know that. But I bet you didn't know I prepared some questions about umbrellas. (laughs) Which Batman villain used an umbrella to do evil in the old classic Ah. Batman series? Oh, the penguin. That is correct. Right. My guess is Colin Farrell will not have an umbrella in the new one. Big J, what chart-topping pop singer had a hit in 2008 with the song Umbrella? Oh, man. (laughs) It was a pop song? Yeah, huge hit. Can you sing it for me? Uh, No, I cannot. I can tell you Jay-Z was on it. Oh, Jay-Z was on it? Yeah, I'll go with Beyonce. Beyonce. Wrong. Is incorrect. No, I'm sorry. Can you name any other pop singer that would be popular today as uh, as it was in uh, 2008? 2008? Yeah, that's when the song came out. Oh, man. Probably her first real big hit. Ariana Grande? What? No. Wrong. Selena Gomez? Wrong. George Costanza? Right. George Costanza is the right answer. Congratulations, man. You got tickets to Dead Sarah, the free X show coming up on the 21st. Please hang on one second. We'll get some information from you and make sure you're all set and good to go there. Uh, the correct answer was actually Rihanna. Right. Oh, well, yeah. Morning After with Nick and Big J. Really the only answer, right? <laughs> uh, I, th- I thought so until you busted up Beyonce, and that one wasn't too far. I mean, I was I couldn't, I can understand the, the line and logic that you drew there, so I wasn't Thank upset you. about it, but wrong nonetheless. Headlines are next on the X Rocks. Big J. Headlines brought to you by the Idaho Lottery. Coming up in a few minutes, we are going to play the dating game right around 9.15. It's your opportunity to win $30 love packs from the Idaho Lottery. That includes Bingo Bouquet, Be My Huckleberry Scratchers, and also some Be Mine Insta Plays. Plus a pair of tickets to check out Shine Down, The Pretty Reckless, and also Diamante coming to town at Extra Mile Arena on April the 2nd. So get ready to play the dating game. It's coming up here in a few, courtesy of the Idaho Lottery. Headlines are as follows. Alcohol is undefeated. Sounds crazy and holy crap, dude. Uh, Alcohol is undefeated. Booze can make you believe all sorts of things and police in Florida say Eugene Bingham was causing quite a scene when he'd walked drunk through downtown Naples and also declared that he was Mick Jagger. This happened on Monday night. Authorities say he disrupted a number of downtown restaurants, yelling at guests, even trying to fight some people at a bar, you know, like Mick Jagger would do. He was found walking around near some bathrooms in Cambier Park after a woman told police that a drunk man in a red shirt was screaming at people saying he's Mick Jagger. He was arrested and then promptly vomited in the back of the police patrol car. He faces charges of disorderly intoxication and battery on a law enforcement officer. Uh, I'm guessing for the vomit, maybe? I don't know. Messed up. But yeah. And don't go, uh, you know defiling Mick Jagger's name either. That ain't cool. No. What if somebody ran around drunk in downtown Boise and said, I'm Big J, I'm Big J. That wouldn't be fun. Nobody would care. (laughs) I'm not sure that's necessarily true. Sounds crazy or holy crap, dude. Holy crap, dude. Some people just don't understand their jobs. A world-famous painting worth well over a million dollars has been ruined by a security guard who said he was, quote, bored on his first day of work. 
The uh, piece of art is called Fig P Three Figures, which by acclaimed Russian artist Anna Laskorva was on display at the Yeltsin Center in Russia, where it was being guarded by a 60-year-old man, but... On his first day on the job, he was really, really bored, so he decided to draw eyes on two of the three faceless figures while on his shift back in December. The news only made headlines this week in Russia, but the museum says the painting is being restored, the man lost his job, and now he's apologizing profusely. He had no idea the painting was worth that much money. He just thought he was having a little bit of fun, but also really bad security guarding guy. <laughs> what an idiot. I mean, one of the worst that I've ever seen. If you're there to protect something, don't go drawing stuff on it. That seems like, I mean, you're 60 years old. you got to know better by now, right? Yeah. This isn't like some teenager that's his first gig. You should know you're not allowed to draw faces on stuff at museums that you're working in. But, I don't know, we got a first time here, I guess. Wrap it up with Sounds Crazy. Uh, Big J, you've got several pets, yes? Yes. You dress up any of them? Um... Me personally, no, but, you know, every now and then we try to dress up the cats or something. How does that go? Not well. They're not Cats fans? don't want to be dressed up, especially dogs. They're like, meh. Depends on the dog. Yeah. Uh, but you're not at the point of 46-year-old Sheila Auden from Arizona yet. She says she's addicted to dressing her two dogs, Sammy and Maddie. And the animals have their own walk-in closet filled with sweaters, dresses, and accessories. She says she has bought her Yorkies at least 600 items piece, a piece in clothing and wouldn't dream of letting them wear the same thing twice. She does admit that she spent over $20,000 on items for her dogs, including multiple strollers and carriers for different occasions. She adds that she funds her wardrobe through her pop profits from her Etsy shop where she sells, guess what, Big J? Clothing for dogs. Oh, man. But, I mean, like $19,000 on a wardrobe for your dog seems crazy to me i don't know i don't know i mean i get if you want to wear that put them in a sweater every now and again because it gets cold outside or whatever i mean i've never i still have yet to dress up a dog i haven't done it or a cat for that matter i haven't dressed up any animal but i'm not necessarily against it i am against however i think spending a small fortune on that yeah that's a lot of money that seems like it's try dressing up your fingers first yeah, or give that money to charity or something i don't know morning after with nick and big j there's your headlines Coming up in a few short minutes, we're going to give you a chance to win a little bit of fun with uh, the uh, love package courtesy of the Idaho Lottery. That's coming up with the dating game here in a few. Right now on 100.3, the X rocks. Yeah, and a heck of a prize package here. We've got a $30 prize pack from the Idaho Lottery, uh, which has got uh, three different kinds of scratchers for you to try out and hopefully win some big bucks. We'll also throw at you... General Mission Floor tickets to the Shinedown Show, April 2nd at Extra Mile Arena. Coming along with them is uh, the Pretty Reckless, so the big uh, friends of ours there in that band, along with Diamante opening up. It's going to be a great show. We'll get you that here if you can uh, win the dating game. Big J will give you an event that happened on a particular date. You have to then figure out if the corresponding statements happened before or after the date that Big J originally gave you. Two out of three right wins you the prize package. It really is that easy. To the phones we go. Hello, the X. Hi. Good morning, man. What's your name? Thomas. All right, Thomas. You're up. Good luck, brother. Here's the event, Thank Thomas, you. on February 10th, 1989. The WWE admits their matches are scripted and professional wrestling is not a real sport. Boom. Sports entertainment. Yeah. 
So uh, yeah. all the uh, all the the next few details will be before or after 1989. Okay. Okay. Ric Flair won the WCW Heavyweight Championship a bunch of times, but only the WWE champion won the. Oh, oh, sorry, but only won the WWE Championship twice. That happened before or after 1989. After. That's right. Right. We've got a wrestling fan in our hands. All right, next. Did Hulk Hogan win his final WWE Heavyweight Championship before or after 1989? After. Right. Yeah. Nailed it. What you going to do, brother? Last time he was a champion was 2002, Big J, but he did uh, master it after uh, the year 1989 for sure. Congratulations, my friend. You've got those uh, Idaho Lottery scratchers and tickets coming your way. You're also going to go check out Shinedown. You're the victor in the dating game. The last one here. Did Macho Man Randy Savage win the first of his WWE Championships belts before or after 1989? This is before. That's right. 1988. God, so long ago. I know. We were just kids, man. Morning After with Nick and Big J. There's the dating game. One more shot at that tomorrow. Plus, we got ourselves some bad impressions. Those are happening next on the x Rock. Hey, and we've got some tickets here. Dead Sarah coming to town. Free X show. First one in two years. It's going to be awesome. But I don't know if you follow Dead Sarah on social media. You should. And to catch some of the footage from their recent shows, they're going to be unhinged on the 21st at the Knitting Factory. It's going to be so good. Uh, Opening up is Silent Theory. Ghost Box and Crush the Monsters. So we're prepared for fun. We just need you to be there and we'll get you tickets right here with Bad Impressions. Looking for those free extra tickets? Now would be the time to get on the phone. 208-287-1003. Always our phone number. Phone number right now for a little thing called Bad Impressions. Big J's got three clues. They all point to a famous celebrity. If you can figure out who that celebrity is in those three clues or less, you got to show you're going to in a little over a week. Hello, the X. Good morning. Uh, What's up, man? What's your name? Uh, this is Ellison. All right, Ellison, you're up first. Good luck, man. Sunday, going to be sipping gin and juice. Uh, Snoop Dogg? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> one and done. Well done, my friend. Yeah, hang good job, on. Ellison. Hang on one second. We'll hook you up with those Dead Sarah tickets. What were clues two and three for fun? Bow, wow. Wow, yippee, yo, yippee, yay. <laughs> Okay. And for Rizzle, I bought Death Row Records. Uh, and I imagine that's why Snoop finds himself in the news. Yeah, he bought uh, he bought Death Row Records. I don't know if he paid a lot for it. I'm not sure what the price there was. But uh, that was definitely, uh, to him, what he considered a sentimental move. Uh, I am thrilled and appreciative of the opportunity to acquire the iconic and culturally significant Death Row Records brand, which has an immense untapped future value, he said in a statement. Now, that's uh, the... the record company that uh, also uh, at the time was with Dr. Dr. Dre was running along with Suge Knight and uh, hope a couple other folks that uh, had Snoop Dogg on when he first started. And uh, Suge Knight's no longer involved with it, right? I uh, no. Uh, nope. Is he in jail still? Was that with him? Yeah, I think he is in prison for the rest of his life. I'm not up on that now. Uh, and of course, he will be doing the Super Bowl uh, show halftime here coming up on Sunday uh, with Dr. Dre and uh, Eminem and Kendrick Lamar, a whole, whole bunch of people there doing that. They've been blasting Bon Jovi music, Nick, outside of the uh, SoFi Stadium to cover uh, the noises that are being made inside for rehearsal. Why Why do you think that is? Uh, I think that it's, it's twofold. One, so people can't hear what's inside, and also to torture everyone around SoFi Stadium. Oh, come on. Bon Jovi's not that bad. But I, I do wonder, like, I mean... It, it, 
what the point like is it a surprise set uh, the only thing I can think of is there are surprise guests that, that we don't know are going to be part of the I halftime think there's show there's gotta be I don't know who more you could surprise right because I would say it's not the, it's not the set list like, Tupac's nobody... <laughs> dead well he has had he has performed this is where hologram. he comes back the this is where he's like I'm alive everybody hey, everybody 2022 yeah psych Morning After with Nick and Big J. Coming up in a few minutes, we wrap up the show. That's next to the X-Rocks. That is corn. That is Start the Healing here on the Morning After with Nick and Big J. That's going to do it for us. Hey, hey, thanks for listening, man. We appreciate it. Special thank you to our pal Wolfgang Van Halen for swinging by the show early this morning and talking about their big show happening at the Rev Center on the 22nd. Tickets are available at xrock.com. You should go to that show. It's the day after our free X show to be nice back-to-back rock shows for you. Nothing wrong with that. Of course, we also had a chance to give away another beautiful Valentine's Day package courtesy of the Idaho Lottery. We'll play the dating game again tomorrow. More Dead Sarah tickets up for grabs tomorrow, too. Should be a good Friday. It leaves you with the floor, Big J. Uh, yeah, hey, don't ever uh, you put down your your uh, hobbies because uh, sometimes they they might just make uh, a lot of money for you and uh, this guy who was uh, he did middle detection for a lot of years uh, and he had to stop he just didn't have time to go out there anymore because he had little kids sure now they're growing up a little bit so he's getting back out there he uh, he found and this is a dude in the UK uh, he was out metal detecting and found a gold coin Nick uh, out of the uh, the ground there it turned out it was an 800 year old gold coin there's only seven of the of them in the world he got the and it's worth almost a million dollars. Nice job. I mean, uh, do you did you ever have like an interest in metal detecting? No, uh, I haven't. But I'm like, maybe I should. And, and my, uh, we have a metal detector. And you do? Like, yeah. And Why? my. my I don't know because somebody was into it at the house. I think one of the kids was for a while, oh and now my mother-in-law is into it, and she's joined a group, and so they go out metal detecting. But seriously, you what? you can find a lot of stuff. Why haven't we talked about this before? This is amazing to me because it's brand new. Uh, the metal detector is yeah. brand new. No, the metal detecting interest. I see. Because uh, this new. is very interesting to me. I first of all, I didn't know you ever had a metal detector. That's well, I personally didn't. It was already a part of the household when I moved in. Oh, okay, so have you ever seen it in use? No. Okay, so nobody has dug it out of the garage. No, we did, and we gave it to uh, D, who now uses it as part who, of her who, club. Yeah, she's she's practicing with it and going to get a much better. That's one. amazing. Like, where do they go? I don't know. I haven't. Like, been I out. always thought like metal detection was something you do by the beach and that kind of thing. So like, like, do you just sure. go to like random places? I, I should be out. talking to D. I yeah. should be talking to you. Morning after with Nick. I'll I, had, you guys I up. There was a weird point in my life where that's where I was really into, and I never had. I, I always asked for one and oh. never got a metal detector, and so I never had a chance to do it. So I wonder if it's as fun or as so I, it, it can be. Especially, you know, I mean, like off topic here for just a second. You know, I love the Curse of Oak Island, right? Yeah. And one of the main characters there, his name is Gary Dryden, and he is like that's his job. He's a metal detector, and he started doing metal detection and started finding stuff all over, usually on beaches, especially off the the coast of Florida, where you know you've got a bunch of wrecks that are out there. Uh-huh. That when there's hurricanes and storms, it washes up on shore, and he's found millions of dollars worth of stuff. Crazy, crazy. There's money out there. I, like I said, I'd like to see some success stories here. So I wonder, uh, you'll have to keep me updated to see how D does on Okay. That, so. Morning cool. After with Nick and Big J. Next set of X-Rock brought to you by Team Mazda. Easy to get your auto loan pre-approved with Team Mazda's iPreCheck. Just click the big blue button at GoTeamMazda.com. Jason Drew, oh no, is coming in here next. You guys have a good one. It's the X-Rocks. 
The Morning After podcast brought to you by Idaho Advocates. You didn't deserve to be in an accident, but you do deserve an advocate. Make sure you hit them up on their website, idahoadvocates.com.